0: In this episode, we talk about drugs and addiction. If you or anyone you know is struggling with addiction, please call the Alcohol Drug Information Service on one 250 15 or Narcotics Anonymous Australia on one 652 820 Both these hotlines provide confidential support 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This is a story of addiction, recovery, and so much more. I'm Kate DeRouge, and this is Why Do I Feel This Way. Thanks for joining me. Tell me why do I feel this way? Tell me why do I feel this way?
1: All right, we're back. Episode two. Here we go. Why Do I Feel This Way with Kate DeRouge. For those listening, who is this random voice? I'm your friend, Claudia. Not random.
0: Very important. <laughs> very important. Very important.
1: One of your best friends, you might say.
0: Well, yeah, and you're here to help me tell this story that I needed some support in telling. Yeah, and it's an honour. It's an
1: honour. And, you know, last episode we spoke about kind of your upbringing, your school experience, um, the fact that you've never felt quite comfortable in your body. Yep. Vanetta, who is a fictional character, I'm convinced she's not real. No, yeah. she's an, she's very real. How you went and lived this beautiful woman who kind of, you know, helped you on your singing journey. You auditioned for Idol twice, didn't get through, not to rub it in. The third time you did. And yeah. we left off episode one um, where you've just gone through to top 25 in Idol.
0: Yeah, what a moment to leave. Um, so... From there, for those who don't know the process of Idol, so it gets to the the top 25 and that's when the live shows start and it's the first time that the fate of your position in this competition is handed over to the general public.
1: What's more confronting, just quickly, three judges right in front of you being like you're shit or you're good or whatever or the whole of Australia voting?
0: Well, I think because like to actually imagine – And I'm not exaggerating where we were in a time then where like reality television was new, right? And it was all exciting and the view, like the ratings were huge and it wasn't just hundreds of thousands or it was millions of people back then um, were the ratings for those shows. But it was hard to understand that on the other side of these cameras were millions of people. So I think the judges that it was more confronting to be st- and they still commented like they may have not been in charge, but their comments were certainly still there, yeah, so yeah, there was um there was that uh the last step to to get into the the top twelve, and um I sang a song by Stevie Wonder.
1: can you give us a snippet
0: for once in my life, I have someone who needs me was the song I sang I been so that. long. For once oh, I love that song. I
1: literally remember you singing that.
0: Yeah, so that was that was the song that I sang and it so it was live on the Sunday, the performances were on the Sunday and then you had that horrendous 24 hours of waiting for the results the next night. Um and I went back on the Monday night and much to my absolute shock horror, I was one of the two that made it through to the to the finals. And that was it. The that was 12. it, mate. That was You're in. I was in like Flynn, although again, like uh, and I and I'm and I guess I keep bringing this up, but it's a fairly consistent story and a fairly consistent thing for me through my whole life is I still didn't believe, despite the evidence of of a public vote um, and people believing in me and, and and obviously enjoying my performance and enjoying what they heard, I still was like, there's been a mistake here. Like, I don't belong. And just always doing that comparison of comparing myself, like in that group that I had to sing up against, I would listen to everyone's performance. Like, oh, they're better than me. That one's better than me. Oh, that one did this one. And never just, you know, always not feeling like I stood up or or, um, could come close to to other people.
1: And isn't it funny because you literally had Australia behind you, quite literally voting you, spending 50 cents to vote or whatever it was, voting you in week after week after week, got you all the way through to the end. And yet you still didn't have that, I
0: deserve to be here. No. All the evidence that I could have needed was there, but it was still like, no, there's been a mistake or it's luck or or whatever the story was. But it was just, to me, shockingly unbelievable that I was standing there. And that continued every week, you know Mm. what I mean? Like every week I would front up and I would rock up and it would be that thing of oh, well, this has been a fun time, you know what I mean? But this will be my end of this journey and what a wild ride, you know. And I, 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 in the studio there's all these screaming young girls and there was, a, you know, there was your Lee Hardings and your um, your Benning, sorry, Dan Englands and, and all of those people that had these young girls with coloured hair holding signs like, woo, woo the woo girls. They had yes. their own woo girls. So, I didn't have woo girls.
1: And Lee Harding was it, wasn't Oh, he? mate, he that coloured so, hair oh. and that makeup, up the eyeliner, yeah, it was a
0: thing. Yeah. But that, that wasn't there for me. And so it was just every week just this massive surprise for me to get through. And I and, and you know what? I never got the famous touchdown. I never got a Mark Holden oh. touchdown. Only Ida winner to never get a, much, a Mark Holden touchdown. Is that right? Didn't need one, turns out. <laughs> Meant nothing. <laughs>
1: was there any kind of spice behind the scenes or was it you're all kind of nice to each other and? Support each other.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I mean I know I know I had competition and there was mm. a like there was a part of me that was like I've just got to knock out this one and then knock out that one. Yeah. And I'm sure everybody had their own internal competition, but it was just all nice and yeah. sweet and bullshit, you know what I mean? It was all that fluffy, yeah. lovey feeling and everybody was um you know, devastated when the other one left. But the truth is when somebody else left, you're like, yeah. <laughs> woo. <laughs>
1: thank God. I love that moment when yeah. it's like when Ed, like whether it's big brother or idol or whatever. And it's always like the person who got through and they like turned to the person who got eliminated. They're like, oh my God. I'm so sorry. And you're like, no, you uh, ain't. I'm, I'm so sad for you. Mm-mm. You're but like, thank God it wasn't me. Yeah. We can't talk about top twelve though without talking about that night and that comment
0: of course it was never forgotten was mm. it it was a pretty big moment I mean I don't think I I certainly know in the moment that I it wasn't as shocking to me as it was everybody else but you know there was that night I, th- I think we we're about halfway through it was rock week I think and I sang I want it all by Queen um, and Kyle at, at the end of my performance basically said I didn't really hear any of you singing. You just all I could, you know, cover up those tuck shop lady arms, which was so shocking to everybody. And if you can you imagine saying that on on national television? Yeah, I don't think you could
1: today. I, I literally don't think. I you think legally that would, that
0: would be no, not allowed. But yeah, you know, it was it was that time where it was okay and encouraged for you. Well, not encouraged. Like it was pretty much expected for you to look a certain way. Um, you know, we were living in that time of um where magazines only had those perfect bodies and those skinny women and your Paris Hiltons and 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 that was the look and Kate Moss and it, it was who we were expected to be and anything other than that was it was almost like it just wasn't acceptable
1: even as a viewer i remember being like oh my gosh like that's that's a shocking comment to make to an 18 you were 18 at the time on national television but what was going through your head when you heard it
0: you know as i said it it was much more shocking to everybody else in that moment than it was me. Like as a as an adult now, having done the work I've done and having healed and, and having to unpack a lot of the traumas um, and shame, like major shame moments that have happened to me over the time, I can see that it was wrong and that it it should have hurt me a lot more than it did. But I guess in that moment, like I'd already been whipping myself about my body for 10 years, you know what I mean? So it was kind of just another moment where – it confirmed to me that my body was disgusting and it wasn't acceptable or appropriate to mm-hmm. be shown. So, yeah, sadly it didn't affect me the way that it maybe should have on a conscious level anyway. I think on a subconscious level it certainly carried with me and funnily enough you will never see me or very rarely will you see me rocking a, a sleeveless top. Um, because of that night. Because of that night. Like I hate my arms. They're one of my um, most unloved parts of my body. It was, it was not shocking to me that somebody would think my body wasn't, wasn't okay. But I guess the funny part of that story and the bit that nobody knows is after the show was finished and we were all backstage, um, you know, Kyle came up to me and he said, oh, I'm really sorry about that comment, but you sang like shit and I didn't want you to get voted off. So I just threw that comment out and. To get a sympathy vote. To get a sympathy vote.
1: It's so calculated, isn't it? Like, cause it's so, it's. I remember because you've told me this before and it was quite shocking because I'm like that in no way came across when he said the comment. It was more like he was just being. An ass. Well, he gets paid a lot of money to be an ass To an 18-year-old. And to think that it was that calculator where he's like, oh, I actually like her, I want to keep her in. And I'm not saying, I'm not condoning what he did, but like to try and get your sympathy vote to keep you in because you think he's saying not that great on that night. It's so like, so weird. It's very interesting.
0: Well, I mean. For whatever reason, he said it, I guess, is irrelevant. I guess the message in that is, yeah. like, you've got to be really careful what you say about people's bodies. Like, it can, it can really scar and damage somebody. And, like, that, I guess, on a subconscious level, like, that comment never left me and all it did was I just put it in my backpack of, of you know, stories and information and, and that, you know, catalogue of, of mm-hmm. confirmation that I was not okay as I was.
1: Did you forgive him on the night when he apologised?
0: I don't think I was ever angry, which yeah, is wrong in itself. It's so interesting. You know what I mean? I don't think he, I was ever angry enough to have to forgive him in the first like, place. I'm angry for you right
1: now. Don't be mad. Okay. No. I'll work
0: on that. Don't be mad.
1: If he, if not just him, if anyone said that today, do you think your response would be different?
0: Well, that's a really good question. I, I would like to think that I have enough respect for myself and enough love after the work I've done that I would be able to say, hey, don't speak to me like that or anybody for that matter. Um, you know what's interesting? I know that if I heard anybody else speak to anybody else like that, I'd be like, "Hold the fuck on, um, yeah. that's not okay." Which is what we were feeling for you. Yeah, isn't Australia that interesting? Australia was feeling that. For like, I you. wouldn't let anybody else talk yeah. to anybody like that, you know. But yeah, I don't know. I would like to think that I would, but would my would that shame and that um, inner child part of me just come up and 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 want to shrink into a little ball? I don't. I don't know. Look, a Kyle on a, you know, on a people have this preconceived idea that he's just this big mean man. But actually, if you listen to him, he has a huge heart and he really does care. And, you know, after the show, and we'll go back to Idol in a minute, I'll just sidestep for a second. I, um, you know, after the show had finished, you know, as you would know from reality television, like it's not about anything other than ratings. So once the show's finished, I didn't hear from a producer. I didn't hear from anyone, you know what I mean? It was finished, see you later, they're on to their next show. Um, and everybody's moved on, and the only person who touched base with me after all of it was after I'd recorded my album. Kyle and his manager came to my apartment and sat and listened to my album and checked on my checked on me, asked me how I was, and listened to my music. Did he give you any feedback? Um, I can't remember. He didn't say anything mean. Okay, good. Yeah. He didn't say anything mean, but like I, I just I'll never forget that. Like of all the people, yeah. this man in one in one breath who said, "Cover up your tuck shop, lady arms." Yeah. Also was the only one that came and checked on me a couple of weeks after and and, and took the time out, which he didn't need to do, yeah. took the time out to come and check on me. Anyway. Um, that was just a little side story that I remember about Kyle. No, it's interesting. It is interesting because it's like
1: even what you said about him apologising backstage, like it's just not what what we as viewers saw. No. And, and as a viewer, I wouldn't have thought he was coming over to your house to listen to your album either. Like, no. It, it all seemed very
0: shocking and like, oh, he's in there. But it also just shows what that comment meant for him out of his – held no weight whatsoever Mm. um but for me it meant a whole different thing yeah so yeah look that was that was unfortunately yet another time in my life where all people remember from idol is that time where they were talking about my body you know what i mean um people weren't talking about my voice or me as a singer as kate as anything else it was like you know kate's body um was in the forefront of everyone's
1: mind that's a lot for an 18 year old who already has body insecurities as well
0: yeah you know. and as i you know it was that first time you know i i i I'd, I'd been riddled with enough shame and and hatred for my body over the years on my own and and through other avenues and then to be shamed on a public level was painful and 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 i think that I didn't even realize that that was a traumatic event until I got into that part of my life where I needed to heal. And I would tell these stories like I was reading a news article, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it didn't mean anything and took a therapist to actually go, wait a minute, do you realize the magnitude of what was just said to you? And do you realize how painful that is for anybody to hear, Mm -hmm. but a vulnerable young 18 year old girl, do you actually, can you understand that the weight that that may have held on you um, for years to come? So Um. yeah.
1: Did it affect how you – because you still
0: had a couple of
1: weeks left in the competition before the grand finale. Did it affect how you
0: got on stage for the weeks to come? Um, Look, as I said, I certainly covered up my arms from then on, which is no surprise. But, yeah, look, I I don't remember a lot. Look, I I don't remember a lot of that, and I've spoken about this before. Unfortunately, I lived so much of my life in that high – level anxiety and survival mode that I've spoken about, that I I think I was just in a disassociated state, just surviving and getting through the next moment. And 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 once that moment was done, like not being able to be present in it and just moving forward to the next one, which is one of my biggest regrets. And, and this comes with me as we'll move forward into the divas and everything else that happened and, and all the cool, amazing stuff that I got to do. You know, I never got to really Appreciate it the way I would have liked to, and and again, just to take a side step, like I think, um, lots of people have said to me, "Idol, would you do it again?" Mm-hmm. Um, and like my answer is, you know, like, oh, would you do Idol again after everything it did for you? And I was like, absolutely, like, what you all don't remember is that I got to go on this incredible journey and do all these amazing things, and I got to be that little girl, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, that little girl who sang in a mirror into a hairbrush. I oh, know you did it. You yeah. did it. Still do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I got to live all that and it was the experiences after Idol that I got to do as well that, like, I wouldn't give those back for the world. Yeah. And it's not about blaming and it's it's not about punishing myself for it, but it was what I did with that opportunity that was the problem. It was the choices I made and it was the stuff that I didn't deal with and the baggage that I was carrying with me that I – you know, and that's no one's fault. That's not my fault. That's not their fault. That's not anybody's fault. That's just the way it was. And I didn't know that I had all this stuff that I needed to deal with. And had I known and been able to deal with it, would my life look really different? Maybe it would have. And that's one thing I really wanted to clear up. Like, yeah, Idol's got its flaws, like they all do. But I was presented with with incredible opportunity. And you know what? And I'll say this now. And I, I've been... And and it wasn't just after Idol. I was given many more chances after my first mistakes. You know, I was given other opportunities and second chances and third chances. And I and it was my own it was my own life choices that destroyed them. Um, and uh, part of healing, which sounds a bit weird, but a part of coming out the other end of all of that has been having to stop and actually take stock and take responsibility for all of that, and then work through the shame that goes with it. Um, so, you know, I'm grateful for, even though it caused me pain and, and, and all of that stuff, like Idol, Idol gave me an opportunity, you know what I mean? And, and as we move forward through this story, you'll, um, you'll hear and understand that I was given the opportunity and it was my life choices and what I did from there Mm. that was more the problem than Idol. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's in saying that, so you, the comment happened, we'll move past that now because it's a couple of weeks on the track. You're at the opera house, the Sydney opera house. There's, I would say, thousands of people at the grand finale.
0: Maybe hundreds. Maybe, it seemed like thousands. No, there were. <laughs> like, in, the, in that forward, like, at yeah. the front of, like, inside, I don't know how many people the opera house holds, but outside, yeah. like, there was a sea of people. It was packed. It was outrageous. And you win the competition. Like,
1: literally, Australia has voted you the winner of Australian Idol. Like, it's massive.
0: Yeah, you know what's really weird, as you say that to me? Like, I still don't feel... I don't feel much attachment to that. Yeah, I don't have, I feel like I should be <laughs> I like, did I do that? well, that was the <laughs> proudest moment of my life. But like, I don't, I don't feel attached to that. Maybe it's because of that thing of just not being able to be in the moment and mm-hmm. present, but like, at the, you know, Emily and I were there together and we were the underdogs, as I said, you know, nobody, I don't think anybody expected us. I certainly didn't expect me to be there at the end. Um, and the last thing I expected to ever hear in my life was, "And the winner is Kate de Rouge." Um, and you know that moment that you see on the stage um, of me winning, like that shocked, beside myself look, is is super real. There's no, sh- there's no show on that. Um, and you know, just a fun fact: if you ever get a chance, go and watch that footage. But watch the reaction of the judges when they flash to them. You know, oh, really? Like, yeah, go and watch it. It's it's interesting. It, I don't think anybody expect, including them, you know what I mean? I don't think it was. No, it was a shock to everybody. Put it that way. Watch that footage one day. It's an interesting. Go no watch. watch it now. Go watch this it for
1: seconds. No, go and watch it. So you go. Okay, so you've won Idol. You're 18 or 19 at this point. Mm. Um, you talk about how kind of like it was just a whirlwind from there, right? You yeah. just like thrust into the spotlight. You, I would dare say, back then you were the biggest Australian celebrity at that time because Idol was so massive, and most of Australia had voted for you because obviously you won by majority vote. So you have just legions of fans everywhere
0: yeah, and I guess it wasn't until after that you know the grand finale happens and the confetti goes off and all the you sing the winning song and it's all amazing. um, and then this person that you've never really met who you've forgotten that you signed a contract for three months ago, actually technically owns you now, and you start this relationship with this person, and he was my manager, and his name was Dave, uh, David, and that was the beginning of the next chapter, you know what I mean, And that's when things really changed and I don't think anything can prepare you for that that time in your life like from there basically you know the next day you go out and do 75 or however many interviews you're there from like 5 a.m till 8 p.m at night and you're just in interview after interview after interview um, and from there it's fast so you've got to learn like in that first week I recorded an album I did a film clip the maybe tonight film clip um, I traveled to different states and did you know performances and all of that so you're trying to get used to this whole new world outside that safety of that idol bubble which you are you're safe and you're tucked away and you've got no concept of what's actually happening out in the world but all of a sudden you're walking down the streets of Sydney and there's people yelling at you you know what I mean I there were people yelling at me good and bad there were people who loved me and like yeah okay we love you and they were like you shouldn't have won so it's it it was super confronting yeah um and super new and and like i still find it hard to believe sort of as you said even if it was for only 10 minutes like i was i was probably for a second there one of one of the most well-known faces in this country
1: 100 percent. this is before streaming it's before like social media wasn't really a thing like Really, it was just that was our first taste of reality TV, yeah. and, and we'd put you on that, you know, on that grandstand, and we'd we'd crowned you our Australian Idol. Yeah, you know, you were the people's. I person. was the people's person. <laughs> they chose me, which you is know?
0: still which is still a hard pill for me to swallow. And I think there was actually a story that came out at some point, um, which again just went in my backpack of like, see, you didn't deserve it. It was all a hoax. I think that there was actually a story at one point. Um, in the media where it was suggested that my dad paid half of Bendigo to vote for me and I was like see I told you I didn't mean to win um but yeah it was it was yeah go for because we're so huge here in Bendigo (laughs) we out we outweigh the rest of Australia but like I believed that shit so yeah look Idol um and and the time after Idol is is when it is when life changed, and I um I was still nursing that high level of insecurity and fear. Like I was just scared all the time, and I mucked up all the time. Like I didn't know that you had to wear high heels and a full face of makeup to six a.m. breakfast radio. No one ter- no one mentioned right. that to me. You know, I'd rock up in my trackies and a thongs and and a jumper with my hair in a messy bun and like. You know, she's I just, relatable.
1: She's a relatable queen.
0: Well, we yeah, it. but they didn't like that back then. They wanted, it wasn't really on brand. Be less relatable. Yeah, be less relatable, more <laughs> yeah. like that magazine says. Um, and it was really confronting and I was trying to learn. But in, in, in that time also, like I met people mm. um, and I guess this is where the juicy part of this story begins, you know.
1: Well, I want to talk about your, you've had a couple of surgeries and yeah. procedures to your body. So I want to know how we got from 18, 19-year-old, stunning, gorgeous, top of the world Kate on that yeah. stage at the Opera House. Where did the surgeries come from?
0: Yeah, right. I, yeah, I forgot about that bit. Um. Yeah, look, I guess it was it was as we spoke about, like it was that time of fat girls didn't get gigs and, and I don't think looking back now, like I was – certainly I got a lot bigger you know what I mean I I certainly wasn't a a giant gigant or I had a bit of puppy fat and I wasn't I wasn't that stereotypical look um and so you know my record label and my management were I I I floated the idea of um liposuction and they were very supportive of that you know what I mean so I guess I think I want to say 19 Certainly, I might have just been twenty. I had my first major operation, or did my first severely drastic measure to try and have the body that I thought that I needed. So I had full body lipo,
1: which is a massive thing.
0: If you don't know uh, what lipo is, that's like well, they essentially stick a giant probe under your skin and vigors like yeah, and suction fat out um, from your body, and it's um it's very invasive, and I didn't even really worry about what sort of level I didn't I, I wasn't interested in the amount of pain I'm sure somebody warned me about it but I was like I don't care just make me thin like whatever just give me the thin and I guess I went into that operation thinking that I would come out the other end with all my problems solved because I'd be thin and I'd look a certain way and that just wasn't the case you know what I mean and recovery is a lot too don't you have to wear like a full um, what do they call that like a a suction suit yeah Yeah, so you come out the other end feeling like I felt like I'd been hit by a bus and then run over by a train and dropped off by a garbage truck somewhere in the bin like I just I had a lot of incisions or in all I can't remember how many maybe let's say it was about in the 30 mark of just these little holes all over me and I had this full body suction suit because you feel my skin my skin felt separate. It's a hard feeling to describe, but it, I didn't feel like I was a part of my own body, if that makes sense. Mm. And I was black and black, black and blue from head to toe. So yeah, I was basically from my neck all the way down to my ankles. Um, and I can still find the scars around. And they removed, I think, about eight liters, mm. maybe more of of fat. Um, and the recovery to that is is it takes time, you know, but within. A couple of weeks, I think my record label had me back out doing an MTV red carpet, and I was—that was about the time when it—it's it, all a bit blurry because there was a lot happening. But it was about the time that the Young Divas adventure started as well.
1: Well, I was going to say because I don't remember—and correct me if I'm wrong—I actually don't remember that being common knowledge that you'd had lipo.
0: No, I didn't at that time. No, no, I, I think it was public. No, no, I didn't announce it to
1: anybody. um So you kind of you had the procedure. I guess you were inside for a couple of weeks. You.
0: Come out, you've got a red carpet,
1: young demons kick off, and it's like nothing's happened.
0: Nothing's happened, just as you were, carry on. Yeah. And, look, I think it, it did liposuction work. I'm sure it did to a degree. It had to. They removed something. Um, But would I recommend it as a solution to your body problems? No.
1: Did the doctor say, like 19 or 20, right, you go to the doctor's
0: office, you go, I want liposuction. Did anyone say, hey – you don't need it? They might have. Um, I wouldn't have cared though and I don't think that I, I, people might have told me whatever. Like I think my mum even before I went in and and my mum, like I just want to say like some people might think how could a mother let a daughter do that or whatever and and my mum has apologised to me since that time and all she wanted in that time and, and she was, you know, we were all caught up in that pressure of like having to be this person to have this success. Bless my mum. And I remember, you know, she would have just done whatever she thought that I needed to make me happy and I I believed to my core that being thin was the answer to me being happy. So, yeah, look, recovery, I didn't take the time that I needed and at the end of the day, like, I hadn't fixed the problem. Like, you can remove the fat but you can grow that shit back. Like, Mm -hmm. I just went back as, you know, and kept eating and kept binging and I hadn't dealt with the core issues of why I was eating in the first place. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as every time I've ever done anything extreme with my body, the problem, the core problem wasn't resolved. So, you know, nothing was, enough, as they say, nothing changes if nothing changes. Did it make you, given that you had it at such a young age, did it make you kind of come out and go,
1: oh, okay, well, this works. So I'm just going to keep doing this now. Like I'll I'll keep going to different extremes to, you know, get more operations. Well, I, think, I think
0: extremes was the only thing I knew. And, and I did from, you know, then until many years later which we'll get to like I've done all the extreme shit to lose weight um I've done all the crazy diets I've done the 40 day um there was this Chinese 40 day um like fast that all you had was these weird Chinese teas and on the 38th day you drank like two liters of oil, like it just the most wild stuff that had been sold that's to me. A lot of days. Kate. It was a lot of days. <laughs> I'm just thinking. You it might all be the surprised to know that halfway through, I ordered a pizza and took. You no. Know. Anyway, it didn't work. Surprisingly, just made me feel really unwell at the end, where you drink all this oil and do an enema. But that's another story for another day. I digress. Uh, back to back to where we were. So from there came the divas, and that was a whole other journey, um, which was absolutely incredible to be honest, not something that I particularly wanted to be involved in from the beginning. It was offered to me. It was an idea brought to me by my agents, which I was like, mm, yeah, sounds like an amazing idea, but I've got my own thing going on. I don't know if I really want to be a part of it. I want to I stop you right there because I want to
1: touch on, you've had the lipo, but you've also, before the divas, you were introduced to drugs, right?
0: Yeah. So look, before all, and it was all very much around the same time. It was all within a 12 month period, but not that long after um, I won Idol, I was introduced to some people within the industry, which were cool, you know, and they were people, um, you know, and, and the industry, and I don't blame anybody for introducing me to drugs. I feel like if it hadn't have been them, it would have been somebody else. Um, but I was, yeah, introduced to some people and cocaine was pretty common and I think it still is like it's been a minute since I've I've used drugs or certainly been in those sorts of scenes anyway but you know I was I was offered some coke and and I and I did you know I look back now and I and I remember even though it, it didn't become an everyday thing from the first time I used the obsession and the compulsion not that I realized it at the time but was there from from the get-go you know what I mean and I feel like all those all those worlds aligned at the same time, and I'd found this thing that that gave me somewhat of a solution to all of these horrendous things that I'd been carrying around with me. You know that in those insecurities, you know, not feeling like I belong, not feeling like I was cool, inhibitions, and all of that stuff that I battled every day. All of a sudden, I had this magical. Thing that I thought was the answer, and I do. I remember that night just not having one or two, like having line after line after line after line, and or and just being asphyxiated on where that where it was and when when the next one was going to be offered, and was the bag nearly empty, and when the bag nearly was empty, feeling that that anxiety that, like, well, well where's where's the next one, yeah, and that feeling is something that grew so. By the time Divas came around, you'd already
1: kind of had some big milestones. You know, we talked about
0: Lipo, you've started taking
1: drugs, a bit more regularly. You're saying it's more a party thing at this stage, but still quite regular. Yeah. And then young Divas comes yeah. along. And do the other girls know kind of what was going on behind the scenes with you?
0: Um, no, I kept it pretty quiet. I mean, we were all on our own missions and it was a busy time and and those girls and not like they they knew how to have fun themselves and um not and I'm, just let me clear that up I'm not saying they took drugs no one took drugs I'm not saying anybody took drugs <laughs> it, it like <laughs> yeah, okay. No. let me just clear that up no okay. um but you know they knew how to have a party and they knew how to have a drink and yeah. and and have their own fun but I I would I didn't get involved in that you know what I mean I would I would get separate and go and go home and, and do what I did behind closed doors and and yes drugs weren't an everyday thing for me at that point but if I wasn't using them. I was thinking about the next time I was going to use them. And it was just Coke at this point. Yeah, Coke and some – and and I say that – and I don't say that flippantly, like no. all drugs are bad and no drugs are better than one another and I don't recommend anybody take drugs. Let's also get that really yeah. clear. Um, but, yeah, they were – I guess somewhat of a more acceptable drug, you know. That I was, it was cocaine and the occasional pill at that point. Yeah. But yeah, look, the Young Divas was a was a whole other time, and and we did amazing things. You guys blew up.
1: Yeah. At
0: this time, I know. oh, I still love that song. Go on, hit me with that. This yes. time I
1: know, I'm going crazy. You. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I should have been Where in Where were group. you? I know. Jessica Mowboy, what? Pull me out of year six. Get me on that stage with them, you know what I'm saying? No, I oh. loved you guys. That was. You were a fun group. That was a fun group.
0: It was fun and it was exciting. And, like, at the end of the day, you had these four girls that all within their own right could sing. Mm-hmm. Not that I believed that, but, you know, everybody. Wait, you didn't
1: believe that you could or that they could?
0: No, that I could, <laughs> try. I could try. Drag them. No, <laughs> no, not at all. Like, I, you know, I guess bringing it back. On a more serious note, like everybody knows the Young Divas were as amazing and I feel like there's a whole episode we could do about the Young Divas and what happened behind the scenes Um, there. It was pretty wild, as you can imagine, with four girls. you just um, four Young Divas, Just though. four you know Divas know I mean? their doing lives. their things, all with their own agendas and, yeah. and and all of that kind of stuff. But, again, for a girl who didn't really have the ability to back herself, hated the way she looked, felt insecure about her body, you know – that was a really toxic space for me well we talk like even putting
1: yourself on a national stage as idol when you already feel uncomfortable in your body you're already insecure and I actually think it's quite brave for you to put yourself out there like that and then on top of that you put yourself in a group of four girls where you're all stunning but I imagine there would be some natural competition when you put four girls together in any
0: setting yeah absolutely and then you
1: put especially in the media
0: all of that stuff know, and look I wasn't the sample size that we discussed so photo shoots were really stressful for me I would go to these photo shoots and the girls would fit into whatever they were going to fit into and the only thing I fucking fit into was the shoes you know Mm. what I mean so it was hard and but I, I guess the sad part for me again and it's taken me a long time to be able to get to a point to be able to say that I'm a talented singer within my own right those girls were really good at high notes and big runs and big tricks and big licks. And that's not the sort of singer I am. And I compared myself to that. And again, it just, it it set me up for that thing of like, I don't belong here. I'm not good enough. I don't, I don't belong. I think you, with these girls.
1: Were you the only one of the four that had won though? Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, yeah do you know what I mean? In my head, I'm like, but you're the winner. And yeah, well, well, I don't know, and I'm not not, because they're all like brilliant things like you said, but it's so funny that you had one idol and you still felt like I don't belong here. You know,
0: evidence, see, yes, (laughs) fact check. Um, and you know, again, in recovery, that's one thing I've had to learn to do is like check, like actually go out and fact check the story that I tell myself. Now, Mm -hmm. wait a minute, here's the story that I tell myself. However. Let's have a look at the evidence and let's like re let's fact check that story. Kate. Yeah.
1: tell me about how the young divas how we finished and how things escalated once the young
0: divas had kind of dissipated. Yeah, look from here, like I feel like the, as I said, the young divas is a whole conversation we could have, but we're here to tell a story about how I ended up where I ended up and and when the young divas finished. You know, it was it just ended due to circumstances and you know by the point where it came to the end there was a lot of um questionable things that happened on a management level and there was money that went missing and there were like the, the trust had gone and there were certain members that just didn't want to recommit for a third round mm. um and by that point like my drug use had really picked up and i was using a lot more and and that scale of like being able to be this celebrity um Face in a public space and being able to use drugs the way that I was using the scale was starting to tip the other way, and I I guess when the D was finished there was this downtime why everybody regrouped um, as to what was going to happen next, mm. um, and you know, um, yeah, and 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 look w- what happens from here uh, just just dis- like it, it gets really messy and it gets really ugly and I. I have a lot of blurry moments and I have a lot of stuff that I don't really understand and I've got a million using stories and I've got a million horror stories and I've got a million stories about how I fucked up another opportunity and another job. Uh, but if I went through all of them, we'd be here for a really long time. So I'm just going to stick with the parts that were pivotal moments that changed the course of my life, I think, like on a fundamental level. Yeah. And look, it, through that Divas, after that happened, I, I found a drug – that really changed my brain chemistry, I think, and, and did some permanent damage to my brain and, and, and we'll get to ice and meth down the way. But, you know, that was just the drug that brought me to my knees. But it was from this moment when I got introduced to nitrous oxide, which is a funny drug. But when I got introduced to that, that was when I started to use in a way that was obsessive and compulsive and I and the powerlessness within me to control and stop changed and that was when that scale tipped of like there was there, there stopped becoming a choice and it stopped becoming a conscious choice too like it was just you know the day would end and I would go to bed and I would swear to myself black and blue that I wasn't going to use the next day and I meant it and I meant it with every inch of my being when I said it but I would wake up the next morning and before my eyes could even fully open my brain was already planning how I was going to use so Nitrous is a is a is a drug that I had told myself this really cool story about because you could get it at the dentist and and you use it during labor um, and birth that it. it was somewhat safe, um, but the way you use it um, in a recreational sense I guess is is certainly not safe and I it's it, it's a it's a quick high and it happens every you know it's it probably only lasts for thirty seconds. But it became like an extension of me and I, it was like oxygen, literally oxygen. And But as soon as it wore off, that, that level of fear and anxiety and um, just that drive and need to do it again um, to remove the fear and anxiety was just a next level and something that I hadn't really experienced before. Yeah, it really took over my life like, yeah, on a new level
1: can I ask when you kind of escalated to the nitrous Mm. does the coke then just take a back seat it's like it's on to the next yeah it
0: did and and you know what that was really common in all of the drugs and as my um, addiction progressed and moved or my you know where I was in my life or what was available to me whatever it was just like I would just put one down and pick the next one up and 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 you know when I found nitrous it was like cocaine wasn't doing the job anymore it wasn't It wasn't able to cover up or or the solution that I thought that I'd found in cocaine was no longer the solution and the solution was now in the next drug.
1: Yeah, because you almost see a pattern like you talk about the binging as a kid. Yeah. Then you pick up smoking cigarettes. Yeah. And then we pick up coke and you can see almost this pattern of like a stronger substance every time coming in. But you can see how these steps got you there. Yeah. In terms of, okay, I've had – the coke isn't working like it used to work or it's not giving me the same high, but what's the next thing? Yeah. And so the nitrous – at the time you were taking the nitrous, you were in
0: a relationship. I was, yeah. Um, so through this time, um, through that whole time, I had been in a really uh, – um, my first serious relationship as an adult with a really beautiful human whose name for his own – I have a lot of respect and a lot of love for him and his family and I um, – well, let's call him Johnny. I had been in a relationship with this person through the whole Divas um, and he had he'd seen that whole thing for me and he'd been there and he – look, he, he loved me way more than he probably should have um, and I wanted to love him back the same way but I just – I. Was just being eaten and and taken um, by this drug addiction. You know what I mean. And and it got to the point with with him where he um you know he would get up and this is where that crazy powerlessness took over. Like he would get up and go to work. Um and I would be out just running amok. You know what I mean. I'd be using and, and grabbing at whatever I could. And then it would come time in the day where he would be coming home and I would just feel sick and there was there was this two parts of me there was this part of me that desperately wanted to be able to be home and be in this beautiful relationship and be the the partner that he so desperately wanted me to be and fought for me to be and then there was just this powerless drug addiction that was that had taken over me like a weed I I guess that's really hard for a a lot of people to understand and most people would be like well just stop you know what I mean if you really wanted to you would just stop Um, but I guess if I can relate it back to, to something on a much smaller scale, like how many times have you been scrolling on TikTok and go, I'll just sit here for five more minutes and suddenly you're there and it's two hours later and you've missed and you've avoided doing all of these jobs that you wanted to do and you'd, and you haven't done the dishes or done your washing and all of a sudden the days over. you know what I mean? Like, I know that's a really small comparison, but.
1: And he wasn't using at all, like he wasn't in that with you.
0: Um, no, look when it got. When he, when there was a, when he realised there was a problem and it wasn't fun, he he wasn't in it with me. Yeah. Um at all. And he just wanted me you know, to stop. He desperately wanted me to stop. Mm. Yeah. And so what
1: what happened after that? What's the next
0: So yeah, as I said, like over that and it's a really blurry times. I think from when the Divas ended, um, you know, I think it, it you know, a lot happened and as I said, there was a, a lot of second chances on a career level that I couldn't, you know, I, I'd, I'd rally and try and get my shit together to go and kickstart my career while the other girls were already on their journeys to their new careers, which has been really hard to watch, you know, over mm-hmm. the years. It's been really hard to watch those girls have their successes and do what they've done and know that my life choices in that moment stopped me from having the same success. But, yes, from there it was um, – it was about three years and i and, and you know I would and I think I was about the only person, one of the very few people that could use drugs and and put on weight at that point, but i um I tried to stop a lot of times and had little success and i and I was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and and putting on more and more weight which which was propelling me to use more and more and more because I hated myself and those just that hatred for myself was growing so much, and my using got out of control. And not through lack of Johnny trying or me trying, like it, it just, I just couldn't. And um, it got to the point where my mum and dad came to Sydney. Yeah, they came, they came to Sydney and they, they just had to say, they just had to say to him that it's enough. You know what I mean? You've done all you can do and, and thank you for trying to love her, but you've got to let her go really weird having your parents break up with your partner for you but yeah he um and they dragged me back to Bendigo did he did you feel like in that moment he knew he had to let go I think he knew he had to let go a lot before that Mm. but he he just as I said he was a pretty special human
1: have you spoken to him
0: since yeah look not a lot um he not to me personally but he would check on in on me from time to time um with my mum and dad he would check in on me and he still wishes my brother and sister happy birthday every year i think he's but you know what he's he's gone on to find the love that he deserved and and that he always needed and 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 certainly deserved and he's got his own family and he's he's exactly where he should be
1: well we're going to wrap it up there for this episode and next episode we're going to really talk about the headlines and the court cases, and it's it's going to be a challenging episode. But we're going to get through it. And then the other side of that is the recovery. So and we'll get to the good stuff because yeah. there is good stuff. There is good stuff there coming. Good it's going to get um you know a bit messier before we get there, but it's it's all part
0: of your story. Thank you. Tell me why now I feel this way. Tell me why now I feel this way.